Twice a week, Van Lathan and Rachel Lindsay dissect the biggest topics in Black culture, politics, and sports on their show, Higher Learning. They discuss the most important and timely conversations while also frequently inviting guests on the podcast and occasionally debating each other. Check out Higher Learning on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Sonic. Let me tell you a little secret. If you want to end the day on an even better note, get yourself a sweet frozen treat from Sonic. Especially since right now at Sonic, you can get half-price shakes after 7 p.m. when you order online or in the app. That's creamy soft serve hand-mixed with your favorite flavors for half the price in any size and flavor. So save on your chocolate shake today, your strawberry shake tomorrow, and your cheesecake shake the next day. Grab Sonic half-price shakes after 7 p.m. now. Exclusions apply. Available for a limited time only at participating Sonic drive-ins. This episode is brought to you by Mint Mobile. Spring is such a refreshing time of year. Flowers are blooming and you're getting your house in order. But now is also a good time to take a second look at your wireless plan because you might be overpaying. Right now, Mint Mobile has unlimited talk, text, and data plans for $15 a month when you buy a three-month plan. To get this new customer offer, go to mintmobile.com slash bigpick. That's mintmobile.com slash bigpick. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month for first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. I'm Sean Fennessy. I'm Amanda Dobbins. And this is The Big Picture, a conversation show about the year 2007. We're drafting again. We haven't drafted in a while. It's the movie draft 2007 edition. Chris Ryan, of course, is here with us. Chris, how are you? I'm doing great. It's so great to see you guys. Um, 1975 was a special time for all of us, but I think 2007 is really the most formative year for the three of us. Absolutely. Let's go right to that place. Amanda, who were you? You were about 14 years old in 2007? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, just what hit were you puberty. Doing? It was a wild time trying to sort things out. Um, no, I guess it was a formative year for me. I had just graduated college. I was living in New York City. I had two jobs. I had like my journalism job and then I was a nanny on the side. Mm. Uh, went to a lot of uh, tumbling classes and, you know, like hanging out with a vacuum in the hardware store, just trying to kill some time. So I, I've, I saw a lot of movies this year, but, you know, you're fitting them in around just trying to figure out which subway stop to get off at in New York City and 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 how to be an adult. And just to contextualize this more, Amanda, this was the point when you were dating that chef who maybe didn't match your personal ambitions right, as yes, he was true. kind of doing. And you were yeah. kind of like, should I be this assistant? Right. <laughs> you know, it happens. It happens to the best of us. And, and I, I learned things about the workplace and myself, you know? Yeah. The devil wore Amanda and Amanda wore the devil in 2007. Uh, CR, who were you in 07? I think I was working for MTV. I was trying to remember what what like number of media jobs I was bouncing around at this part of the decade. And... Uh, you know, the major th- issue here is that like we look back on this, I think we've referred to 2007 as this watershed year over and over again. Did any of us feel like we were living in a watershed year, the year that we were out there doing our thing in the Big Apple? It's a great question. I don't think I did at all, although there were a handful of movies that we're going to talk about here that I viewed as important as I, I, I don't know, as, as important as anything that else that happened to me in, in those handful of years. You know, the, the anticipation I had for a couple of the movies was like, a, was like a life event in a way. Now, maybe that's a little sad to look back on, but I didn't feel like in the 12-month period, 
it was necessarily something extremely special. It actually felt quite normal, which I think is part of what will underline some of this conversation we're going to have, which was we didn't know how good we had it. Um, Chris, I did want to ask you, who were we in 2007? You and me? Yeah. Two undercover cops just working the streets. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, who were we in 2007? We were still largely concerned with music, right? I think that for the most part, we were still probably going to concerts a lot, going to listening sessions a lot up at the Def Jam offices. They were still doing those. Yeah. Uh, We were coming out of a a very fertile period of, of rap music. So I think we were both riding the vapor trails of that. But, you know, then, then David Fincher and Paul Thomas Anderson beckoned just with that little finger. That's true. They draw us in. They drew us in with their power. Um, in 2007, I think I was an associate editor at Vibe magazine. Yeah. And uh, I was so goddamn excited to be having that job where uh, I was not making very much money and I did not have any power, but I certainly thought I was on top of the world. And that was a pretty formative experience for me. And here's why. Even though my job there was largely to run the review section and work on the sort of short profiles in the magazine, I was asked to attend the premiere of the film Transformers. Here's what they needed. They needed a guy to go and shake hands with people at a cocktail party from either Ford or GM. I can't remember which automaker was important to Transformers. And they sent a series of emissaries from magazines around the country. This is something that happened much more frequently back then. And the guy who should have gone, a friend of mine, Ben, was not able to go. And so Ben said, why don't you go? Why don't you go and kiss some babies on behalf of Vibe and, and, and go to this movie premiere and see if you like it? I was a fan of Michael Bay. I was a fan of the films of Michael Bay. The Rock, wonderful film. Armageddon, fantastic stuff. Bad Boys and especially Pearl Bad Harbor? Boys 2. Yeah. <laughs> Pearl Harbor, perhaps not so much. Nevertheless, when's the Transformers premiere? One, just I really love Transformers, guys. I'm not going to apologize for it. Rise I thought of the it was, Beast is coming, no man. Are you excited? No wants you to apologize. We know that it's on your shortlist for this draft. That's okay. I do. I'm a big fan of Transformers, but I will say that that was another in a series of experiences in LA that made me want to be in LA. I stayed at the Sunset Marquee, I believe, was the hotel I stayed at. Had a lovely time. I remember um, sitting alone in the at the bar in the hotel like a weirdo drinking a cocktail and thinking to myself, I have arrived. Like not knowing that I had not arrived. How many and times still have you done arrived. that since you moved to Los Angeles? Every six hours or so, I am like, I have arrived. And in fact, <laughs> I, I've never gotten anywhere in my life. And nevertheless, um, I do view it as a pretty significant year for that reason, in addition to it being the year that really features... I don't know, literally four or five of the most important movies to this show and to my friendship with Chris. And Amanda, you know, I'm very curious to see if you care about this year as much as Chris and I do. Yeah, we can we can go to that now or and and I do. I mean, it is like a great year in American film. And I would say two of the five movies that you're alluding to are just like all timers for me and incredible. And, And you can't deny them. But the way this is discussed is like a the greatest movie year of this decade. It's the greatest movie year for possibly like the greatest filmmakers of our generation or this generation, right? You've got PTA, you've got Fincher, you've got the Coen brothers, um, you know, the big three all making three of their greatest movies. No questions. Um, and it's great, but it's a great year for, you know, movies about men grappling with American greed and decay and their own role in it, which is like 
in some versions of film history, just the definition of a great movie, right? It's interesting to come from the 1975 draft to this draft. It's like a type of movie and a type of story that has certainly defined American like film history and also the movies that we like. But we draft in six categories on these drafts. And, you know, some of them are thinner than others. Sure. It's very true. In fact, we have modified some of our categories once again because this was it's a tricky one. So uh, let's just foreground the conversation by saying no animated or foreign language category this time around. In fact, we are porting over the very controversial Oscar winner category from the 1975 movie draft. I I read the rules again, okay? I counted this time. I'm ready. I got it. I wasn't prepared before, and now I am. Let it be known the three minutes before this draft started. I was like, this isn't a typo, right? We're doing Oscar winners. (laughs) I forgot to open that Wikipedia page. I'm opening it right now. Were we wrong to do Oscar winners? Should it be Oscar nominees? Many people thought Oscar nominees. I thought the, 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 the fewer number of movies available in a category actually makes it more fun for the draft, but maybe that's not true. We're going to boil it down to why you listen to this podcast. Do you listen to this podcast, these po- these episodes, for the competition and mm-hmm. to see who is going to get the movies that you want them to pick? Mm-hmm. Or do you listen to this podcast because one of us might be like, you know what's a cool movie is The Lookout. You should, you should check that out. Because the more that we kind of make pot, make it, make, categories where it's the same five movies just divided up into these different three categories. Mm-hmm. I think the fewer maybe more obscure movies get shouted out. Now, That's I true. will say 07 is a year where there's no there's no cute stuff. The good movies are the good movies. You know what I mean? Like there's some really good movies in the third or fourth tier, but even even I will not lose it on this one. Like th- there's there's like there's like Mount Rushmore and then there's a nice pile of pebbles. I love how you have tempted the fates. This is fantastic, <laughs> I know, right? Chris. Right. So who knows what can happen here? That's why American Gangster is getting picked <laughs> in every single category, baby. <laughs> Amanda, how are you feeling about this? Do you feel like we've become too self-actualized in our drafting? Is it more important to just recommend I'm about good the, movies? The listeners. I'm not talking about us. We all have oh, the damn. journey that we're well, on. I did spend a lot of time last night um, trying to figure out what order the first, because three Mm. or four movies would go because I think that there are to me four obvious properties and order draft order is going to be like a major part of who gets what and how it shakes out. But, you know, I was sitting there with Zach and trying to figure out which you guys would pick and like what your personal preferences are within that, like very rarefied four movies that like have defined our lives or whatever. And like Zach and I had different interpretations of what the two of you would do, which mm-hmm. is sort of interesting. So I I think that there is still a bit of mystery. There's always like this CR question, right? Of just like, <laughs> what is he going to do? I don't know yeah. what you're going to do. I actually don't know where your heart is on a couple of these because I kind of feel like your heart is everywhere. So it's true. I guess, you know, we've been doing this for a while. If you're if this is the first movie draft you're listening to, it's probably a bit mystifying, but you know, also there's a whole archive for you to to catch up on. So, bear with us. It's ironic that Chris is the host of a podcast called The Answer because the CR question is what looms inside all of us. <laughs> Where will this madman take us on this journey? Um I mean, do we need to do any more throat clearing? Is there anything else you want to say about the year or the year in movies? You know, sometimes we recount the Oscar winners and the box office ahead of time, but I feel like that might skew some of where we're going here. I, I just have more of a philosophical question, which is like, are should years like this give us a little bit more perspective on on the years that we talk about 
more you know, like the, the the moment that we're in last year, two years ago, whatever it is, that maybe it might be four or five years until we realize, holy shit, we have like five or six classics in this in this year, and we also have ten or fifteen really enjoyable uh, genre movies or whatever. And like, are we a little too quick to sort of say this was a good movie year or a bad movie year? I won't be returning to it, etc. You know, I, I think that that's the thing. Going through this list of films and having a list, a long list of thirty, even knowing what the top is going to be, it's it's just it was kind of refreshing to be like, oh, you know what? Maybe I, a lot of these movies I saw in two thousand and eleven or two thousand fourteen or two thousand twelve when I was algorithming it and looking for something to watch on a Sunday night. I think it's interesting because t- the twenty seventeen draft made me realize that all of the teeth gnashing that I do about the state of the industry and about what movies are. And especially thinking about that year in combination with 2019 makes me realize like there's still a lot of great stuff out there. And so even though we're going to valorize 2007 and we're going to think about what's lost, a lot of this stuff is driven by luck and circumstance. As Amanda pointed out, three of the very best of all time made movies in this year and they made some of their best movies. And so because of that, this year has taken on a greater importance. Now, I would argue that this year, I think the B class is much higher than usual, and that's ultimately what's going to drive this, but that that may be a matter of taste as well. You know, there are certain filmmakers who made movies this year that I just really love, even if those movies weren't big hits or Oscar winners or even iconic in any way. So it's just, a, I, one, it's a matter of perspective, too. I do think that luck and timing is a huge part of this, too. What do you and think? And Amanda, like, like, I was going to ask Amanda, like, do, how many movies on this list do you look at? And you're like, that's a TV show now. A lot. Another interesting thing is a lot of movies on this list that I look at that were celebrated at the time or successful at the time that I'm like, eh, I don't I don't know if I want a part of this. Uh, hmm. And for everything that was really successful and we uh, have, you know, built our entire lives around and certainly this podcast around, there are also a lot of movies that change the industry and um, that a lot of people recognize that upon reflection, I, I don't know, not my fave. So I, I guess some of it is taste to Sean's point. Uh, once you get into genre or things that aren't, you know, cinematic masterpieces. But it's a bad year for rom-coms. I mean, rom-coms can always be TV shows now, but also like a particularly weird P.S. I love you, Catherine Heigl year. So <laughs> I, I don't I don't know what to say about that. I'm not drafting that one. You can Sierra, have did it. you revisit P.S. I love you before this pod? I don't I didn't need to. It's committed yeah. to memory. <laughs> Where are you at with, with Katie Heigl these days, Chris? How, what's your relationship? I haven't really checked out her Netflix show, mm-hmm. um, but I support her in spirit always. Okay. Just always one of the great the great locker room guys. <laughs> you know, just great chemistry. Glue yeah. guy. All, all evidence to the contrary. <laughs> um, shall we draft? Do you, wanna, do you guys want to draft? Let's do it. Okay, Let's before do it, we do that, I'm going to quickly run through our categories. So I mentioned that we're going to be doing Oscar winner this year. In addition to that, we're going to stick with drama. We're going to stick with comedy or horror. We're going to stick with sequel. We're going to stick with blockbuster, which is $100 million or more. And we're going to stick with wildcard. Those are our six categories. Let's welcome in a figure of much controversy, Bobby Wagner, the man who controls the draft order. Bob, there's been a lot of talk about some kind of chicanery happening on this show over the last year Under or so. Under the table payments, big machine politics. It's, really, it's cookies. It's yeah. just, did you clear your cookies? I clear my cookies very frequently to upload episodes of The Big Picture. It's a Borough requirement presidents. of our back end. So I right. will not be, I will not be okay. accused of anything here. Back scratching. Listen, I'm just trying to produce this podcast from the Sunset Marquee. I just had the best g <laughs> of my life and I've arrived. Okay. 
All right, I got the hat sweep. back this week. I got Great, the hat thank back this you. week. That's so look, good. we have the Top Gun hat. Listeners cannot see this, but they can hear me shaking the Scrabble tiles. Love it. This is transparency in action. And this I'm is exactly away what we need. As I pick the first letter, and it is a D for Amanda Dobbins. Wow. Wow. Okay. Integrity has returned to the movie draft. <laughs> Interesting. So I'm like, did I want number one in this pick? But that's okay. Oh, okay. You're not allowed to complain about getting no, number no, one. No, she just doesn't it. want Sean to get it every you time. You did great, Bobby. Okay. Thank you. For, you know, I thought that was some great production value. And also, thank you. But, You're welcome. you know, I'm thinking about my strategy out loud. Going second is F, Sean Fennessy. I get wow. my turn. Chris. <sighs> Okay. Chris, you're not happy about that or are you? Are? I am happy. I am happy. This is all about it's all about categories. I think we all love these movies. It's really yeah. it's really about categories and and what's a reach and what's not a reach. Hey, have you guys do, should we shout out the incredible piece of scholarship that, that one of our listeners did about like the history of the movie draft and like the analysis of all of our picks? I believe you just did. You want to share more about I that? I don't know what this is about. So that somebody did a comprehensive review of all of the movie drafts both in terms of like, here's just statistically how everybody picked and what like what category and what order. And then also like each one has like a paragraph or two of analysis of the picks. And there, there is incredibly in depth. But one thing I took heart from is that I often finish second, you know? And, and it's just like, maybe if we did, I would, I would just ask, like maybe we should start doing ranked choice voting, you know? <laughs> Chris, um... I'm on a seven game winning streak right now. Seven. So second or third, to what you, does it mean? I don't recognize that, but that's fine. <laughs> what is that? You mean? live in your own little world where you just post things on Twitter and then people click something and that's I don't fine. Post if them. that's a fulfilling life for you, yeah. then congratulations. I am living elsewhere. She's saying what we're all thinking. Here's what matters there's only one thing that matters ultimately about a movie draft, and it's did I win? And uh, I've won a lot. I've won a lot of them. And now I'm comfortable no longer winning. That's the, I wanted to share that with you guys. <laughs> okay. I, have, I have had a, a Lou Alcindor, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar-esque run. I've had a uh-huh. Bill Russell-esque run. There's no debating whether or not I'm in the top five greatest movie drafters of all time. I'm there. I am in Bill Simmons' pantheon right now. And now I just, I'm going to play with my heart. That's yeah. it. Okay. You should start loading yourself up out to other pods and just be like the guy who kind of helps them realize their dreams. That's right. For a price, let me be your <laughs> Chip England and I can fix your shot. I can right. fix your draft. It's all possible. Amanda, you claim you don't want to win, but and yet it really feels like you want to win. Am I, I wrong? I honestly don't want to listen to you talking about this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and like, once again, I understand that to some extent, that's like my job. I'm paid to sit here and just listen to you do this. But I just, I don't enjoy it. I don't enjoy it in my free time. This I don't enjoy it in my professional thing. time. This is my absolute just, favorite thing is you like, have I'm, to sit there professionally <laughs> and listen to me win. Right. It's tough. It's tough. I know. It's She's really, in the great game now. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> it's very important to build your own reality. We've been watching people build their own realities for the last 15 years. This is mine. Welcome to it, both of okay. you. Shall we draft, Amanda? I guess so. I have the first pick. And I have learned from previous mistakes. So I will be <laughs> picking in the Oscar winners category. <laughs> uh, and I will be taking Michael Clayton, um, which is 
which is for me, the number one movie of this year. And I think, you know, we have all talked at great length about how much we love this movie. And I feel like it's basically like, we're like, you know, the Spider-Man meme of all just pointing at each other being like Michael Clayton every time we see it. But nice um, baguettes. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I mean, it's a miracle that this, this script itself is one of the best screenplays that I have ever encountered. But that then that it actually got made and that all of the performances are as good as they are and they just managed to carry it through an incredible Clooney, incredible supporting cast. Um and, you know, as I was speaking about, thematically is like of a piece with many of the other movies of this year and the great movies and the movies that I think you guys are about to draft. Um, but, you know, a more modern version. So Michael Clayton, if you haven't seen it, I don't know why you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> I feel like we've talked about it a couple of times on the show, but I also would like to have like a Michael Clayton podcast of some kind with you, yeah. you two. I think it's like really worthy of a long, discursive, ridiculous kind of conversation. I would talk for like 45 minutes about I'm not a miracle worker, I'm a janitor. Just that scene. It's just one of the best scripts. So many great performances. So Tilda Swinton was the Oscar winner from that. I think that's the only Oscar win that the movie has, right? I believe so, because I just panic control searched the Oscar Wikipedia page to make sure, and it was Tilda, yes. I think if we stick to Oscar winner as a category, we should underscore what the win was going forward. Speaking of, I think that this worked out really well because you're going to end up with your favorite movie of the of that year. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to end up with my favorite movie of that year. And I think Chris is going to end up with that, his favorite movie of yeah. that year, um, which means I get to draft There Will Be Blood, which, of course, is very important to me. This is my favorite movie of the 21st century. Paul Thomas Anderson's masterpiece, the movie that redefines his career, very much in keeping with some of the themes that Amanda is talking about with man's war with himself, with nature, with the cultural and, and structural forces around him about a very, very, very bad person named Daniel Plainview who may or may not represent so many people in our country. And uh, it's the only movie that I revisited before this draft from the year 2007. It's a movie that I will watch until the day that I die. I think it's just a truly breathtaking work of cinema. Um, And it's one of the rare movie-going experiences that exceeded my expectations because I have high expectations for the filmmakers that I love. And even if something doesn't totally get there. I'm still usually content to be happy with it. But this was a rare case where I I just, um, from the moment you hear the creaking Johnny Greenwood score, and then we get this ominous shot of the mountain, and then we find Daniel Day-Lewis picking that ax in the cave. um, I was transported. I just, I think it's an an absolutely incredible movie. And I'm, I'm very, very, very glad I got it on this draft. That's that's very touching. You you see, so you went back and rewatched There Will Be Blood. I did. Well, it's available on on the streaming service Netflix. Have you heard oh. of Netflix? <laughs> was, it, was able to just turn on Netflix last night. Look at the film. It's, it's a wonderful movie. Um. Okay. So it's it's me now for two mm-hmm. for Oscar winner. I'll take uh, No Country for Old Men. Yeah. Uh, which is based on the Cormac McCarthy novels. We have to really be like, it's like No Country for Old Men. This is also, <laughs> the, the, it did quite well at the Oscars this year, winning Best Picture and also uh, Javier Bardem picking up an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor. Um, I've rewatched this recently, actually. You know, I've, I've, this, this is a movie that is oddly rewatchable, even though it's so, so kind of dark and dour. Um, I, this time around, I just want to say, Tommy Lee Jones, is incredible in this movie. Tommy Lee Jones is is so fucking good in this movie. I know he got praised when when it came out. Um, he is definitely the 
when you read the book, you see Tommy Lee Jones's face when reading the sheriff character. But uh, yeah, this movie has not like lost a, a single a single pound in terms of its estimation, my estimation of it. This was the uh, you got to read this book, Reco, from you in the early days of our friendship. Yeah, I believe it. This might have been right. the first book you ever recommended to me. This was a real also like this was the first time where I was like, I love Cormac McCarthy. The book came out and they were like, this movie's coming out in a year. I was yeah. like, holy shit, they turned that around fast, you know? Um, uh, for my next pick, things get a little complicated. Things get a little bit hairy here. I'm going to go um, Blockbuster, and I'm going to take Superbad. Hmm. Oh, interesting. Okay. Hmm. Way more strategic than I expected yes. from you? I can't say I saw that coming, CR. I'm not a huge fan of the Blockbusters this year. So I wanted to pick one I that I loved. I definitely am not either, but... So I didn't want to sit here and, and be taking Blades of Glory <laughs> last year and just be like, hey, man, watch the throne. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, I'll go with Superbad. This movie's really funny. This movie is probably, I think, still the best thing that um, Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg have made in terms of like... I don't know. Maybe just because it's so obviously their story and so detailed and so specific to them. I just still really adore this movie. Michael Sarah is so funny in this. And uh, yeah, I, I haven't checked it out in a couple of years, so I'm not sure if it's if it's aged poorly. Um, I think it it has probably, but it's also like it makes fun of itself. And yeah, I mean, people, people, this is one of the most adored movies of this decade, I would probably say at, the, at this point. It's probably my favorite comedy of the decade. I love this movie. I honestly thought I was going to get a chance to get it because I assumed I know, yeah. that yeah. you would take the movie that I'm about to take. Yeah. Mandy, you like Superbad, don't you? Yeah, I do. It's pretty great. Um, but you've just given me the chance to take Zodiac, Zodiac. Mm -hmm. yeah. which is, in my opinion, the second best movie of the year and maybe the second or third best movie of the decade. And, um, you know, we've certainly talked about Zodiac a lot on this show. This is David Fincher's portrayal of the hunt for the Zodiac killer, um, a kind of existentialist docudrama set in San Francisco in the 70s. Um, possibly the most meticulous and patient movie I've ever seen. And it's just a complete and total masterpiece. I'm taking it in drama. And uh, I, don't, I don't know. What more can we say about Zodiac? That's a, actually the challenge of this draft is like, right. I've recorded 11 podcasts about Zodiac. <laughs> yeah. So at a certain point, I don't know if I have anything interesting to say about it if I ever did. Um, but I don't know. Zodiac and There Will Be Blood coming out within like six weeks of each other was wild. That's crazy talk. Um, yeah. And that happened. Um, well, I, I really thought it was going to go one, two, three, four some mix of Michael Clayton, There Will Be Blood, Zodiac, and Me too. No Country. And I, Chris, I honestly, I'm surprised. I didn't <laughs> know that you were a No Country over Zodiac guy. I have to actually give credit to your friend, Zach Barron, who predicted that. And I was like, no, no, no. I would, Zodiac I would have predicted that it too. It depends on the day. Honestly, it really does. There's days where it's like Michael Clayton's the best. There's days when yeah. There Will Be Blood is the best. It's days when Zodiac's the best. There's days when I'm like, Zodiac's pretty long. If you know, I think I'm like- been, If you'd had the number one pick, what would you have done? I think I probably would have taken Michael Clayton. Okay. Because wow. well, it depends on the yeah, honestly the Oscar winner category really like changes it up. There's like the Oscar yeah, winners again in this year. There's not that many winners. There are not that many blockbusters that I would be like super happy about taking. There's some like fine movies. It's like I even like I am Legend. It doesn't really matter, but like I wouldn't want to put that up in the same list with like these these other great movies that we're picking. 
So yeah, it was a little bit more of a strategy thing. But Amanda, that's a good question. I don't like okay. I, if we had done this tomorrow, I might have been like, I'll take, I'll take the, a movie that's not even in that top four. You know, like it, it's 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 a weird, it's a weird <laughs> that's, spot. And that's why you are you, and that's I why know. we love you. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Mint Mobile. Spring is such a refreshing time of year. Flowers are blooming, and you're getting your house in order. But now is also a good time to take a second look at your wireless plan because you might be overpaying. Right now, Mint Mobile has unlimited talk, text, and data plans for $15 a month when you buy a three-month plan. To get this new customer offer, go to mintmobile.com slash bigpick. That's mintmobile.com slash bigpick. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month for first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. This episode is brought to you by Sonic. Let me tell you a little secret. If you want to end the day on an even better note, get yourself a sweet frozen treat from Sonic. Especially since right now at Sonic, you can get half-price shakes after 7 p.m. when you order online or in the app. That's creamy soft serve hand-mixed with your favorite flavors for half the price in any size and flavor. So save on your chocolate shake today, your strawberry shake tomorrow, and your cheesecake shake the next day. Grab Sonic half-price shakes after 7 p.m. now. Exclusions apply. Available for a limited time only at participating Sonic drive-ins. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Okay, Sean, top three movie snacks of all time, go. Um, all right, let me think. Uh, popcorn? Obviously. Hmm. Ice cream? That's two. Oh, and uh, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, of course. Peanut butter and chocolate is a pretty perfect combination. Some may even say the ultimate movie snack. You can't argue with that. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Okay, so Amanda, you're up. I have two picks. two picks. This is going to be very weird. Um, And I also kind of, well, I mean, I feel like you guys kind of have sewn up the draft, which is fine. Um, because having both There Will Be Blood and Zodiac and then also having Super Bad and No Country. This is why I was like, oh, number one pick is not actually what you want, even though I did get Michael Clayton, which is the best. But it's okay. Don't doubt yourself. Just, you got a lot of supporters gonna, out there. Uh, I, I'm just going to get really weird at this point. And I'm also going to be a little cruel. So in Blockbuster, I'm going to take Ratatouille. And that just, yes. because I know that that movie means a lot to Sean, first of all. Wow. And That's also, just an attack on me. Just to draft an <laughs> well, animated film yeah. that I'm not even sure you've seen. <laughs> I've seen it. Yeah. Are you kidding? I the saw it at the time. rat makes I mean, the me yesterday. I have Look at her shirt. <laughs> he is, he's a French rat, okay? And he wants to cook and be in Paris in the Let fine restaurants, this. as do I. Let me ask you this. What's, yeah. what's his name? Remy. Let's go. Okay. Yeah, I watched the movie yesterday. Oh, what do you want from me? I legit thought his name was like Ratty. No. <laughs> also, we're Patton. It's a, it's a nice movie. Also, it's just a very strange year for blockbusters, and I don't really care about any it of is. them. So, gonna do that, and then I guess if I'm thinking strategically here. I'm going to go in the sequel category and I will take Ocean's 13. Hmm. That's, okay. the, that's the move. Yeah. Which, that's definitely um, the move. You know, my favorite sequel of all time is Ocean's 12, but Ocean's 13, you know, coming in afterwards, it's a hard act to follow, does pretty well, you know, good bit with the nose, I guess. The nose plays. Yeah, the nose plays. 
Um, those are both good picks. Those feel like picks that are acts of aggression. If I'm being honest, you Ocean's know, Thirteen is Ocean's not 13 an act is of like, aggression. That Ocean, would like, be aggressive if you or I took Ocean's Thirteen. Yeah, like please don't tell me that I haven't earned my affiliation with the Ocean's franchise at this point. Seriously. Okay? I'm I'm not saying that. I would never yeah. insinuate that. Ratatouille never... was a strategic act of aggression. Um, but c- could you imagine though if I just took the Born Ultimatum right now in sequel? If I just looked Chris in the eye on the Zoom <laughs> chat and I was like, Chris, I love you. I'm taking the Born Ultimatum. I would never do that to Chris. I care about Chris so much. I would so, never okay, take that. From here's him. where I've you got here's Zodiac the here, and there will be blood. Like you're fine. Here's how Sean pilled I am. Is that I feel like you are now trying to goad me into taking Born Ultimatum early. Do you want to recount what you think I did to you on the 1975 draft that you shared with me? Sean sent me a message before we recorded where I was like, oh, I just rewatched Might Night Moves. Remains a masterpiece. Oh, my God. And Sean was like, oh, yeah, my favorite outside of Jaws, Nashville, and Shampoo. And then, so... <laughs> You're a psychopath. You really are. Like, we have to think people I did think that, that it's just for show. But it's like what we have to deal with every day. And then day. when I picked Night Multiple Moves, he was platforms. like, that's a problematic choice. I just, <laughs> Some weird sexual politics in Night Moves. Oh, yeah. Then you made me call Chris sexually weird by accident. Because <laughs> I was like, Night Moves is a real CR film. That's not what I meant, Chris. Yeah. And now all these guys on Twitter are like, man, Night Moves, huh? <laughs> I feel like... um Colonel Kurtz at the end of Apocalypse Now. You know, I'm like the genius of that, the brilliance of that. <laughs> I feel good about it. Uh, okay, so I have a pick, huh? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I can't remember the last time I was in the two spot. It's been a while. Yeah. Two spot is tricky, especially because, as you said, Amanda, Blockbuster is pretty weak and sequel is extraordinarily weak. But because they're, because they're so weak, I don't really want to do those picks yet. I'd prefer to keep just taking movies I authentically like a lot. So... In comedy or horror, I'm going to go with Hot Fuzz, which I think is the most underrated of the Edgar Wright movies. Um, it's the last of the, or it's the second to last of the uh, Simon Pegg, Nick Frost movies that he made as part of the Cornetto trilogy. Really fun kind of, um, I don't know, sort of like homage slash spoof of buddy cop comedies of lethal weapon style movies that has all the moves and more from those kind of flicks. Um haven't seen it in a while, but I, I really like it, and I'm, I'm sure I'll revisit it ahead of Last Night in Soho. Is anybody on this Zoom going to do an Edgar Wright episode with me? I was thinking about this the other day, because I, I, I know, Amanda, he's not your fave necessarily. And Chris, I don't know what your take is on Edgar. I would like to revisit some of his movies to challenge myself, because I think that I have some opinions that I had in the moment that were somewhat like... I, I reread last night someone sent me a... Uh, review of Modest Mouse's Moon in Antarctica that I wrote for Spin Magazine where I was a fucking prick because I actually really liked that record but I was just like not good enough not good enough (laughs) (laughs) and so I want to I'm trying to be better about like interrogating who I was at various points in my life and maybe if my taste has changed so I would like to maybe do that with you Sean that would be fun was it Isaac Brock who sent you the review who sent it to you no it was not (laughs) Um, okay so I've got Hot Fuzz in comedy horror Man, uh, Chris, you're up. You've got two picks. Okay, so I'm going to go assassination of Jesse James in drama. Uh, this is the, this is for the Tumblr gang. This is for my heads yeah. out there, uh, screenshot and Deacon's frames, and 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 just like really getting into the the cinema of it all. It's a challenging watch. You know, it was a challenging watch at the time. I think part of the reason why I fell so deeply in love with this movie was because. 
despite the fact that we were, you know, in the nascent era of like social media, tw- film Twitter, and like online participation in film discourse, it did feel like this was a cult movie. It was like it went. They they shot it forever. It, I think it had a pretty troubled production, or at least a difficult one. Um, it comes out. I don't think anybody really goes to see it, and then. It's one of those movies where you're sitting there and you have like lower expectations. I love Western, so I'll go see anything. And you realize like that your heart is skipping beats because of how gorgeous it is, how beautiful the music is, um, how lovely the performances are. So, you know, I think it's a challenging watch, but it's definitely a movie that I think was built to stand the test of time. So I'll go Assassination of Jesse James. Do you guys, have you guys checked this out? You still fuck with this movie? One of my favorites. Huge fan. Deacons. Yeah. In the bag. I know that you guys love it, and I love that for you. God damn it. What? No, I, I mean, this is kind of what I was talking about. There's a specific type of film viewer whose tastes were rewarded in 2007. It's this yeah. movie. There for is sure. an aspect of it, though, that I think appeals to your interests, which is that it is a treatise on fame. It's about legend making and the way that people position themselves in the culture. That's what the movie's about. Okay, that's cool. Okay. I tried. And for uh, sequel? Yeah, you got another one, Chris. For sequel, I'm going to go Born Ultimatum. Uh, there was a different pick I had. Uh, there, I'm going to be really interested to see what Sean does next. What you do? You want to share it? I had shared that no. I would not take the Born Ultimatum. No, I know that, but I mean, this is a category pick. I like Born Ultimatum a lot. It's the, probably my third favorite Born, um, but it, it is quite good uh, of the first trilogy. But man, this is this is the toughest pick I made because there's another one here that I think is very popular that would satisfy a category. Let's see if let's let's see what happens in the two spot. Well, I'm not trying to win. I'm trying to play with play oh with God. my heart. Yeah, right. Why no, don't you just share it, Chris? <laughs> you just share what you're gonna do. You don't want to no, share it. You already you, picked a comedy, so I guess. Do maybe, you do you feel in competition with Amanda? No, I Amanda and I work together. Amanda and I reach across the aisle for bipartisan mm-hmm. infrastructure. Like we do it. We get these roads built. Does that make you Mansion in this case, or <laughs> who, who does oh that make God. you? Leave, leave him alone. Mansion? I know. You want me to leave Mansion alone? I will. I'll leave Mansion alone. I want you to leave Chris alone and I want you to make your pick. You know? Um, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. I do know what I'm going to do. I already talked about it. I already told my Transformers story. I'm taking Transformers and Blockbuster. Um, There are probably some other choices I could make that are movies that are crowd pleasers more, maybe have aged better, maybe don't have the stink of Michael Bay on them. I would challenge people to Try again with Transformers if you thought it was just a really stupid action movie. It is a really stupid action movie, but by its standards, it's I think it's actually very, very well made. And it's it's to me basically the end of Michael Bay. It's the the last time he made something that I genuinely, genuinely liked a lot until Six Underground, which we talked about on this podcast and no one else likes. Remember Six Underground? That was fucking sick. Oh my god, that was so. Remember like the weird merch they were giving out at the screening. That was tight. I Bobby, feel like we're the only remember, people who saw that at movie in theaters. Wags, do you remember when I was like texting you at 12.01 a.m. on yeah. the night that it went live on Netflix being like, have you started watching it? I believe <laughs> the message was, did you boot it up yet? And I was like, what is it? And you were like, the six. And I was like, oh, yes, I forgot. Uh, six Underground uh, is good. It's not as good as Transformers. So Transformers in Blockbuster. Okay. Amanda, you've got two picks. All right. In the drama category? Hey, should we recap a little bit? Sure. sure. Yeah, let's recap a little bit. Amanda, I want you want to do the recap? Uh, did you make it a list of it in the... It, it's it's, it's yeah. currently updated in the, okay. in the file. So in the drama category, 
Chris has taken the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford, and Sean took Zodiac. I have yet to pick. In comedy horror, Sean is the only person who's picked. He took Hot Fuzz. Oscar winner, we all learned from the last episode. (laughs) Chris took No Country for Old Men. Sean took There Will Be Blood. I took Michael Clayton. In sequel, CR has The Bourne Ultimatum. I have Ocean's 13. Sean does not have a sequel yet. In blockbuster, $100 million or more. CR has Superbad. Sean has Transformers. And I have Ratatouille because I'm a cultured person who appreciates animation. <laughs> the fine arts. It's just, I do I like no, France. Com- no comment. You know? Amanda you absolutely flexing on everyone with the Oscar voice during reading the categories. Oh, thank you, Bobby. Just, yeah, thank you so much. Just the Michael Jordan of imitating the Oscars I categories on the big really picture. I think I would be really great at doing those intros as people walked up and just saying really rude free associative things. Do you want to be on camera or are you an omniscient no, voice? Absolutely not on camera. Do, do you yeah. think it would be like accepted if I was like, and winning for Oscar, Marion Cotillard? Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I do wish someone would say, yeah, at the end of every Oscar win. That would be great. Okay. Uh, okay, you're up, Amanda. I have two picks. I'm picking first in drama. I'm going to take um, Gone Baby Gone. Speaking of great directors of our generation making some of their greatest films, Ben Affleck. Wow. We salute you always on this podcast. I don't know. You guys took Zodiac. You took all the other things. I like Gone Baby Gone. That's a good I movie. like Gone Baby Gone. Yeah. yeah. And... I'm going to pick in comedy. I think I need to do this. I'll take Knocked Up in comedy. This was the one that I was like, am yeah. I leaving something on the table? But I, I, again, sequels are kind of thin here. So It's a, obviously a hugely successful movie. And in terms of, you know, the Aptel universe and comedies and everything that comes afterwards, influential. I like a lot of it. I obviously don't love all of it. And feel slightly conflicted about I guess its reputation over time and also its influence in the comedy world over time as well Mm -hmm. as the political aspects of it but it was also a pretty funny movie and certainly a phenomenon Um, and I would have felt stupid taking Walk Hard if Knocked Up was still on the board so I'll go with Knocked Up I think I think you, you made like very that was a very clear like concise like summary of like the the critiques of it I remember really like just being like, holy crap, I don't think I've ever seen anything like this when yeah. I saw it the first time. And just that, that actually was a cool feeling, like looking around the theater and being like, I didn't know you could make a movie like this on totally. this scale, like of like a mainstream comedy. One of the most raucous in theater experiences I've totally. ever had. I mean, people were absolutely losing their shit. It was, it's actually kind of hard, I think, over time. This makes me feel a little bit like Bill Simmons because Bill does do this on the rewatchables a lot, but. That that movie in the zeitgeist for people that were our age was big, huge, really mm-hmm. big. absolutely, and, yeah. And and that's why I picked it, even if you know, as we have all of the conversations that we had about it and have lived through the fifteen years since, you know, feelings about it are different, but still, certainly a phenomenon. I think I think it's a legit pick. Yeah. Um, whether it's better than Walk Hard or not, I think is very. Debatable. I know. I, well, we'll see. Because actually, weirdly, Walk Hard has become the like adored cult movie in the 15 years since, and Knocked Up has receded in the consciousness. But nevertheless, Knocked Up was a f- freaking phenomenon. So you got one more, right? No, because I already did Gone Baby Gone. So oh, okay. So, so I'm up. So this is where I continue to not make a pick in sequel because I don't want to. I want to pretend that category doesn't exist. Okay. Um, 
There are a lot of movies that I have on my list for wildcard, and maybe we'll talk about a bunch of them when we don't get a chance to draft a lot of them. But this is the category I was thinking of when I was like, this is actually quite a deep bench full of movies I really, really dig. Yeah. But I would be remiss if I didn't take Death Proof, which is Quentin Tarantino's, I guess, somewhat maligned. Are we splitting these? Yeah, it's a standalone film. Okay. I think it's a standalone film. You don't think so? Yeah, I guess so. Didn't they show it as one movie? Wasn't Grindhouse and Death Proof together? It was shown that way, but so okay. are many double features um, that are produced. I think I, I own an individual copy of Death Proof, for example. So I, I think of it as one standalone movie as part of Quentin's filmography. Gotcha. So, so Chris and I earlier this summer talked to Quentin. And um, when we talked to him, he talked about his career after Death Proof and after the not great success of Death Proof relative to all the other movies he had made to that point. It was fascinating. And the idea that the way that ho- the way that he perceives Hollywood looking at him after that movie came out, which is to say vulnerable and like a guy who sh- was, was ready to receive scripts and become potentially a director for hire because he had made his first not big hit uh, was really interesting. From the day I saw the Grindhouse double feature, I was like, this kicks ass. This is absolutely so fun. I think Planet Terror is definitely weaker than Death Proof, but Death Proof is kind of similar to Knocked Up where I saw it with a very hardcore Quentin audience on opening night and when they they drop that that head to toe kick into Kurt Russell's head at the end of the movie <laughs> people fucking lost their minds it was the big one of the biggest exclamations I can remember in a movie theater um, and it's just a really fun really great kind of horror chase movie um, a really great car movie obviously an ode to 70s kind of grindhouse exploitation cinema and Honestly, one of Quentin's best casts, you know, Mary Elizabeth Winstead and Rosario Dawson and Rose McGowan and Kurt Russell and Vanessa Ferlito and also these women that maybe we haven't seen as much recently, Sidney Poitier, Sidney Poitier's daughter and Tracy Toms and a handful of other really, really great actors and actresses. Um, I think Death Proof is pretty slept on. So I'm going Death Proof for wild card. Okay. So that comes to me and I still need comedy and I need wild card, right? Yes. So uh, for comedy, I am going to go walk hard. Uh, I did. I do love this movie. This yeah. was also it's another. Good. It's a really, really great. Like, um, oh, this is on. This is like my. This really funny joke is coming up in like ten or fifteen minutes, and <laughs> uh, so I, I always get a kick when this movie is on cable or or whatever. Wild card's tough, man, because I have. I have like a dozen movies that I want to mention, but like which one is the one to elevate here and which one I, I with wildcard, I always try to like say something about like a, a movie that's like maybe a little bit more obscure, at least a lot like got lost to time a little bit more. And I think I'm going to stick with that against my better judgment here somewhat. And I'm going to pick Sunshine, which is a uh, 2007, obviously Danny Boyle sci-fi movie with uh, Rose Byrne and Killian Murphy and Chris Evans. Uh, before before everything popped for him, and uh, is one of the like better, I think one of the best sci-fi movies of the 21st century, arguably. Um, and that's it's also outside of like um any kind of pre-existing franchise, and had like some truly awe-inspiring and purely cinematic ideas in it that I don't think really um could get done today i think a lot of it would be like well how do we like make this part of like a franchise or something like that and maybe they wanted it to be a franchise but it's essentially a group of scientists who have to go to into space to restart the sun 
because it's dying. So they have to nuke the sun to get it to start moving again. Um, and it, it's it's fucking incredible. There's there's at least two or three sequences in here that will just quite literally set you on fire. And while it has like like the sort of predictably messy and and incoherent ending that a lot of big sci-fi movies do when they actually have to grapple with what it all means, it's uh, it's still stuck with me, and I've still seen it like a bunch of times since then. I love this movie. Um, I saw this movie in Los Angeles at the ArcLight. It's the first movie I ever saw at the ArcLight. Oh, that's nice. Um, I was on a work trip to see this film. And um, I once again was like, I would like to live here. So, <laughs> on the sun. <laughs> every, every time. Uh, I, this movie does have which, a... Which arrival was this for you, Sean? Uh, when... <laughs> Let me tell you why this was an arrival moment for me. I'm glad you asked, Bobby. Uh, there were only three people in the movie theater when we saw this movie. Me, my soon-to-be wife, and Drew Barrymore. And yeah. she sat in the fourth row. And it was like a 2 p.m. showing on a Wednesday. And uh, I was like, this is it. This is Hollywood, baby. Yeah. This is how we watch cinema together. And frankly, all three of us can attest to the frequency of, oh, there's a Drew Barrymore-esque figure just <laughs> showing up in your movie theater when you go see a movie at the Arclight on a, at any random time of the day. So great pick. So it's sequel time for me, huh? Yeah. Finally. Okay. So I'm just going to list all the sequels because okay. you guys already have your sequels, right? Yeah, yep. we do. So let's just put some context around this so people understand what I'm dealing with. National Treasure 2 Book of Secrets. Yep. A film I've not seen. Uh, Daddy Day Camp, which mm -hmm. I believe is a sequel to Daddy Daycare, the Eddie Murphy vehicle, one yeah. of Chris's Could faves. Pre no, probably a sequel because Day mm. Camp comes after Daycare. Uh, I'm, I'm content to say that I also have not seen that film. Okay. Uh, Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer. Amanda, what are your thoughts on that one? Is that actually, I didn't know whether that was a sequel or if that just had a number in it because I thought the Fantastic Four were like a group of four people. They are. It is right. the this second, is just second Fantastic Four. Oh, before okay. they so then Fantastic rebooted it. Four, two. Yeah, and then they rebooted okay. it five years later with Miles Teller yeah. and that didn't work I was, out either. I thought it was like maybe like a false friend number situation, so I didn't put that on my list. Otherwise, obviously would have been my first sequel pick. That's when Josh Trank was like, what if the Fantastic Four went oh, through right. puberty? Cool. Uh, Amanda, there have been three Fantastic Four films in this century. There'll be a fourth one in 2023 directed by John Watts. How do you feel about that? I'm just very excited for everyone involved. I just hope that they are just, just setting out, getting what they set out to achieve. You know, what, Who is the ideal Reed Richards in your mind? Who do you think should play Mr. Fantastic? Yeah. Who's rubbery? <laughs> are those all the same people? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't know. Mr. Fantastic and Rubbery, uh, like are, he has two alter egos or is like Rubbery what he does, like Correct. a nickname that, for what he does? That is an aspect of his power. His, so his power is that he's Rubbery? Well, I, Chris, how would you describe it? He can stretch. Uh, he's, he's real smart, that's, first of all. I mean, I okay. think that that's, that's the important part. Why is that didn't he's he think like, of a better superpower? I agree with you. I think that that is maybe why, I think maybe... More people agree with you than you know because the Fantastic Four movies have not quite ca captured people's right. imaginations, although they seem incredibly excited about the, the arrival of them in the MCU. He's just like Gumby, this guy? Smart Gumby? Not, not He's dissimilar. Smart Gumby. Yeah. He can, okay. he, but he can stretch his I'm smart appendages Gumby, damn all it. over the place. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's actually very funny. Uh, other sequels from that year. Rush Hour 3. Haven't seen it. Uh, Saw 4. I've seen it. I will not be drafting it gosh what happens in saw four uh, some people are murdered by jigsaw <laughs> just a guess um 
Okay. Here's a movie that is bad that I like. Aliens versus Predator Requiem. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is, so is that like a crossover? It is. Right. It's. I believe it's the second Alien versus Predator movie. Is right, it Chris? the Alien is on a Predator planet? That's the thing, right? I think that's the the, the first film. The first oh, okay. film is Alien versus Predator from 04. 07 is AVPR colon Aliens versus Predator dash Requiem. Shades of Mission colon Impossible dash Fallout. Right. Here. Uh, so AVPR was there first. I'm not drafting that movie. One of the best work days I had in the in pre-pandemic life was when Chris saw whatever was the most recent Predator movie. The Predator. And then just came in and just told me what happened in it yeah. and reenacted it. Just a one-man show of Chris Ryan reenacting that movie. I like everyone should get an opportunity to see that before they die. My guy Boyd was in that movie. <laughs> How's your Boyd stock? My Boyd stock is is cresting. Are you kidding me? Harrison Ford might not make it through Indiana Jones. They may have All to right. draft he's fine. He's okay. He's he hurt 79. His he's, <laughs> I mean, I they, know. What it, they, there should be checks and balances in place <laughs> to preserve Harrison Ford's life. Let's see. And that check be... and balance is giving Boyd Holbrook it's the, the FAA. fedora. Just keep him on the ground. He hurt his shoulder just like walking down to craft services. Let's see if we can put a finer point on this, Chris. You're saying you want Harrison Ford to die no, during the I production don't, I don't. of Indiana Jones I just think Jones that they 5. should turn over a lot of the stunt work and like the sort of more of the active parts of that role. He's, He's an archaeologist. Put him in, in front of a chalkboard being like the staff of Ra and then let Boyd cook. He spends all his off time cycling around the UK where they're filming. And just then there are like pictures of him in like at various pubs and all of his like cycling gear. He wears like the full outfit, just so you know. Does he really? Yeah. Pretty goofy. Guys, I have five more sequels to share with you. Okay, okay, great. This is fun for everyone. The next one is Spider-Man 3. Okay. Directed by one of my favorite filmmakers, Sam Raimi, but also much maligned for having too many villains, too much stuff. And I don't think we knew what we had because then we got a new set of Spider-Man movies a few years later and they did, weren't as good. And Spider-Man <laughs> 3 may be a little underrated now, honestly. Nevertheless, there's plenty of Spider-Man out in the world. Then there's Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End, mm-hmm. which I think is the third Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Isn't one of the sequels supposed to be good? Like, was I think the second one, one bad and the third one was good? I think is this, is this your boy Gore? Is he still Gore. on the mic here? Yeah, so we've got Sam Raimi and Gore Verbinski, two of my faves, two of my fave tentpole movie directors, yeah. in a year with Michael Bay doing Transformers. And then we've got Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Mm-hmm. This is the first David Yates Harry Potter movie, and he mm-hmm. would come to be the longtime keeper of the Harry Potter films. Is this the fourth one? I think it's the fourth one, right? Because it goes Chris Columbus, Quaron, Mike Newell, David Yates. Order of the Phoenix is the fifth one. Fifth one? Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. Did Mike Newell get two movies? Maybe he did. Then we've got 28 Weeks Later. Now, I'm going to be honest. I'm, I'm thinking 28 Weeks Later is where I want to go here. I, I think I, this is... I'm a, pushing you that way, mentally. Could, because you think that's bad? I think it's awesome. I think it's pretty cool. I think it's a pretty darn good sequel to a movie that didn't need a sequel and probably um, didn't really have that much more to say. And yet I found it pretty entertaining, even though um, it's not it's not Danny Boyle necessarily. It's not Alex Garland necessarily, but it's it's still a movie that works really well. And here's the here's the wrinkle. Here's the tricky one. Here's a movie I remember liking a lot that is technically a sequel. Elizabeth, the Golden Age. Oh, Katie B. Do you remember this movie? Mm-hmm, this is course. Blanchett, right? Yeah. This is Kate yeah. Blanchett. It's, and it's when things get really spicy in yes. the Elizabethan age. 
Exactly. This is when she's this is when she puts the gear on. You know, she yeah. starts she's on horseback and she's riding to battle. Um, Shakar Kapoor directed this movie. Two Oscar nominations. Best costume design. Actually, one best costume design. And Kate was nominated for an Academy Stop Award. Stop filibustering. What do I do, Chris? 28 weeks I, later I know, or Elizabeth the Golden Age? for five minutes because you're trying to choose. There should be a clock on you. Was this not good podcasting? No, it was great. It was delightful. But I can tell you're not committed to any of these movies. You're committed to certain directors. You're committed to certain ideas, but I don't know. And, and 28 weeks later, that's a CR pick. Well, call me CR daddy because I'm going to 28 <laughs> weeks later. Okay. <laughs> uh, that's, that's my pick. Okay. That just took an incredibly long time. I got to tell you about Aliens versus Predator Dash Requiem. Requiem. Yeah. Right. And I got to learn about Smart Gumby. So, you know, I can I'll, I'll carry that with me. What more do you, you know? want from this podcast, like, Amanda? I'm trying to think about all of the things that I used to know that I no longer have brain space for because I had to listen to you read about all those sequels. And then I had to <laughs> yeah. learn about Smart Gumby. But think about like, how powerful you'll be in the future. What am I doing with my time? Yeah. You're the new Mr. Fantastic. In 2023, when you start your Marvel pod, you'll have a leg up because you'll be like Smart Gumby. I got it. <laughs> yes. Great. That's it's what like the it. It's like the that that story about the footsteps in the sand and I you know, being I guided by Jesus. Yeah, yeah, that's that's me with what? you giving you Marvel knowledge. <laughs> You're going to be able to walk alone on the beach with all of this incredible I don't spiritual even think that power. That is like the moral of footsteps, which is the poem that you're referencing. What is I the moral? Read a lot. I don't know, but it's not. You have read it a lot? It's not your Jesus and you're really good at movie podcasting. I, I guarantee that. I went to my that. conservative Christian school anyway. In 2017, Jesus came to me and he said, you must start a movie podcast and you must spread the gospel and you must share with Amanda all that you have learned about the Marvel films. And I have done so. I have right. spread the good word. So that then I can just do it by myself? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. When well, I am crucified by the CR heads okay. and you have to carry on with this show. Which apostle am I in this scenario? Well... <laughs> there are a lot of people who listen who I think think you are Punch's pilot, but you are. Okay. I think you might be Paul. Paul. Okay. Paul is good. Kind of a blowhard, but okay. Well. Um, just saying. <laughs> if the robe fits. Yeah. Great job. Amanda. What is going on here? What, what happened? <laughs> Amanda has a pick to make, so I don't know. Oh, I thought the draft was over. No, I'm, I, I apologize. Card, yeah. And I'm going to take, I'm not there because somehow it's still on the board, which is the Todd Haynes, like, Technically, a biographical film about Bob Dylan, but obviously told yeah, in pieces and different looks by different actors. Um, speaking of movies that examine fame and myth-making, um, but in ways that I actually uh, watched through the end, uh, I'm not there. Uh, I One of... I think you put it on your best biopics list, Sean, and I didn't. I did. But, uh, but, I did. Also one of my favorite biopics and, and a fun examination of a genre that um, is too often maligned, in my opinion. But this has all the best of it um, and a lot of other cool ideas about filmmaking and acting and and Bob Dylan, who is great, even though I give you guys a hard time about liking him all the time. Bob Dylan, uh, a great American. Truly. Is, is the Jim James version of going to Acapulco on this soundtrack? It is. And it's one of the best things ever. It's yeah. in the film. Yeah. It's when Richard Gere shows up at that kind of circus freak show and Jim James is literally singing in the movie and it is beautiful. Let's hear some of that, Bobby. <laughs> oh, 
Okay, so we we drafted. Let me ask you guys a question. Just one final kind of like point of order strategy thing. Do you guys try to win the categories individually or do you just try to have a kind of like a totalizing quality among your films? The latter, I think. I don't really even think about like, I I mean, I do yeah. definitely notice and this one, this draft specifically, I was like, there are three Oscar winners that I feel comfortable taking. So I got to get one of them. And I will get one of them because there's only three pick people drafting, but it has to go first because otherwise, you know, I'm going to be in Love on Rose territory. Right. So I liked Love on Rose. But Me too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. What film year should we draft next? Like 1922? Would you guys be into that? Yeah, no. let's, let's do like the first talkies. <laughs> Amanda, what would you want to do? Let's spend our summer watching talkies. Oh, talkies. I think you should come over and act them out for me, Chris. Um, I don't know. I guess we've done two more vintage years, I guess, like 75 being before our births. And then 2007 at this point is 15 years ago or six, fifth, 14, 14 years ago, which is alarming. So would we be 2018? Is that too close? Is that too soon? It's an interesting question. We've also done 1984. We've done 1995. Right. So, and obviously 2010 through 2017. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, maybe we, should we, should we let listeners decide on the yeah, next why one? Because I, I, would, I, would, I would be curious to know whether there's an appetite for us to do like a golden age of Hollywood year or a, a 60s year or if we should just stick to like the 90s, you know? I, I, there's a ton of good, I think. One thing a lot of people have asked for actually, which I think is interesting, is a bad year. Amanda, you might have actually suggested this too. Yeah, it, it's hard to find a bad year though because as soon as you start going through the list I'm like oh well Sean is gonna pick you know XYZ and then Chris will pick Jackass and you know and <laughs> live it in your head rent free live it in your head rent free no but I, the, this idea that we're sort of trained to find the good in even bad years and I like what would be fun about a bad year is someone being stranded with the third pick and having to pick like um you know Chicago <laughs> the musical or or something that is just like not good because there are no other options but just because of the sheer number of movies and our you know perverse ability to be like well actually this film is amazing then it's like you can't Whose actually voice is that amanda <laughs> I don't know. is that Chris? That's smart gumby no it's that smart gumby it's everyone on the internet it's hard to work out a system to back us all in the corner where we actually have to pick bad movies. Mm-hmm. And that is what would be fun. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll, maybe we'll post four separate possibilities on Twitter and let people vote where the real people vote, where, where true voting happens, where I've been able to survive and thrive through many of these drafts. Let's do a quick recap. Okay. We'll go through every category in drama. Chris took the assassination of Jesse James by the coward, Robert Ford. I selected David Fincher's Zodiac. Amanda selected Ben Affleck's Gone Baby Gone. In comedy or horror, no horror films were chosen, interestingly. Uh, Chris chose Walk Hard. I chose Hot Fuzz. Amanda chose Knocked Up. Quality comedy year. 
an Oscar winner. Chris chose No Country for Old Men. I chose There Will Be Blood. And Amanda chose Michael Clayton. In sequel, Chris took the Bourne ultimatum, quite predictably. I took 28 weeks later, quite in quite anguished fashion. And Amanda, of course, selected Ocean's 13. In blockbuster, CR took Superbad. A little bit of a wrinkle there in the, in the pod. I took Transformers, and Amanda took Ratatouille, which she has not seen. Um, in <laughs> Wild Card. And he wants to cook, and so he's got to get in the chef's hat and whisper his secrets. It's about peasant you know? food, brother. Yeah. Sure, guys, whatever you say. In Wild Card, Chris took Sunshine, I took Death Proof, and Amanda took I'm Not There. So what did we miss? What didn't we discuss here? In addition to the myriad sequels that I talked through. So I, I definitely had my my finger hovering over the American Gangster buzz button a couple of times just because I've actually like enjoyed that movie a lot more since 2007 where I was like, I saw it and I was like, that is not The Godfather. So it is disappointing because I that was like the expectation I was going into it with. Uh, but it's really incredible performances in that movie. Gosh, there's a bunch. So um, Savages, Philip Seymour Hoffman, incredible uh, performance from him in the, the savage. savages. The savages, not, not yes. Oliver not Stone's savages. savages. No, um, the savages was a really vintage. Let's go see this movie on Christmas night. Pick by my dad. Oh um, man, that was what a really fun... one for the ages. He he had a really good run of the most depressing movie possible. But the savages was black really book sold out. Or, yeah, you know, like, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, black book's another one. Um, I'm a big fan of James Gray's We Own the We Own the Night from this year. Uh, the Lookout is really great. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Um, and we never, we did not mention a single time in this podcast, Juno. Yeah. Not one of my favorites. Mine either. And uh, to, talking be about honest, the to be fair, True. a movie that I do think I like enjoyed at the time or was charmed by, and I think pretty much everything in it has not aged well from like the whimsy to my feelings about Jason Reitman as a director, um, again, to the politics of it all. But yeah, a couple of other ones. Where are you guys at on the hot rod cult? Do you know about the hot rod cult? I feel like it's the it's for for the youths. It's 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 came after us, right? Yeah. So Gall- Gallagher was a huge fan of it. Like I know a lot of people are just like do hot rod as a rewatchable. Hot rod isn't the most important comedy ever. It's funny. Yeah, I'm not mad at it. Did you guys see uh, the Simpsons movie? No, I don't think so. What about Paranormal Activity? You know I saw that. I did not see that. Pretty pretty important film. Pretty much a film that changed horror for the next five or six years. Sean, uh, Before the Devil Knows You're Dead? Absolute banger. Truly a banger. Saw it at the Angelica opening night and uh, some really fine work by, by really some of our favorites. Hoffman, Hawk, Tomei, uh, some other people. <laughs> <laughs> it's Lumet's last film, right? Amanda, do you want to do like 20 sex? on Atonement, the movie? Yeah, so uh, Atonement, the novel, is one of the five uh, most important novels of the 21st century to me. I think it's 21st century. Is it? I'm Googling Atonement book publishing right now. Yeah. Um, Yes, 2001. Just made it in. And I like this Joe Wright movie. There's a lot to like in it, and it just is sort of ultimately impossible to adapt in the same, you know, the without spoiling anything, the ending of atonement um, is very powerful. And I just don't know how you translate it to the screen at the same way. So I just probably unfairly hold my love of the book against the movie, but you know, a great Keira Knightley performance, great James McAvoy performance. I really love James McAvoy. Um, And even 
I guess he's happy now being in all the M. Night Shyamalan movies and being weird, but <laughs> I, I like this part of him too. But yeah, that's why I didn't go for it, just because I like the book too much. Yeah. A lot of people in this movie that I remember seeing for the first time, certainly Saoirse Ronan. First, sure. First time I ever saw her. Benedict Cumberbatch. First time I ever saw Benedict Cumberbatch. Took me first a long time to get over this Benedict Cumberbatch performance, honestly. Mm. First time I ever saw uh, Juno Temple. Um, oh, right. A number yeah. of other people, too. This is a really good movie. It is. Do you guys want to sign off so that I can do 60 solo minutes on William Friedkin's bug? No? Yeah. Get in there. Well, I mean, why don't you... You and Amanda have been recreating that film as Ashley Judd and Michael Shannon for years on this pod now. That's right. Well, my, on my last my movie draft, I'm just going to turn to Amanda and be like, and you will be their queen! <laughs> <laughs> After that, is Sean going to do 60 solo minutes on Robert Zemeckis' Beowulf? <laughs> yeah, I've been Which living it, from man. this year. Wow. Yeah, I feel empowered. Um, okay, a couple more. 310 to Yuma, James Mangold's, frankly, much-loved uh, mm-hmm. remake of the Delmer Daves movie, which I think a lot of bros will be in the mentions about. Where they'll be like, how could you not take 310 to Yuma, bro? It's it's good. It's a good movie. I like it. What about what about once Amanda? Uh, we didn't talk about that on our music. Holy episode. shit! That was a moment, huh? Also in yeah. the zeitgeist. Did you ever sing to no. your paramour in the streets of New York City? Absolutely not. You know how I feel about singing. It's is that just, falling really... slowly? Was that what the that, is yeah. that that jam? Yeah. Whew. This the streets of Dublin pumping. This is like a oh my god. All right, Chris. It's I'm glad that your heart is open. That's great. You keep talking because I'm squirming. Um, speaking of squirming, what about uh, Vigo Mortensen squirming nude oh, yeah. On, in, yeah. in Eastern Promises I'm in the middle of a knife fight? Of you I'm surprised I didn't take it either, just yeah. for the for the, hot, the sauna scene. Yeah, it's this. Is, we just we handcuffed ourselves with some of these categories, but there are a lot of movies. I think before the Devil Knows You're Dead and Eastern Promises, those are pretty big movies for me and Chris back then. Yeah. Um, and Atonement for You, likewise, Amanda. Uh, Into the Wild. Sean Penn's uh, oh, yeah. sure. I adaptation of yeah. the Chris McCandless story. That was a pretty sure. good movie. Oscar nominated. Um, we're going to get into the Darjeeling Limited a little bit when we get into Wes Anderson movies later this fall. Has this movie come all the way around in the conversation to now being something that people like? Guess who has two thumbs and loves this movie? <laughs> this guy. <laughs> but he didn't draft it. I know. But I, I, I mean, like it's. I don't think it's as good as friggin' Assassination of Jesse James. But I really like this movie even though it's deeply fucked up. It's got some problems for sure. And it's, it feels like the least loved of the Anderson movies at this point. Would you agree with that, Amanda? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's also just, I think not revisited that often, or I certainly have not seen it since I saw it in theaters in 2007 at BAM, which I remember. Um, But it doesn't have the long shelf life. It would seem of some of the other Anderson movies. The, uh, the, the 15 minute sequence or however long the short story is of them going to get the car out of the garage is still like, my favorite non-Rushmore near part. the end there yeah when they get off the train yeah I love yeah. that um, one other movie that I love that I have you mentioned on a bunch of lists on this show in the past is the Mist Frank Darabont's yeah. adaptation really of good. the Stephen King story is really 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 good horror movie really one of the best horror movies of the last 20 years I think that's it any other movies you guys want to mention uh, Margot at the Wedding which mm-hmm. I toyed oh, yeah. with and then in the wild card and then I was like I don't I don't know if I it's not my favorite Bombac, although it's in a lot, of, a lot of ways like the purest, certainly of that era of Bombac. So it's the nastiest, that's for yeah, sure. Exactly. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> um, Chris, any other movies you want to give a shout to? 
No, I think I've in some way or another said everything, uh, you know, like I, I just wanted to make sure I got like a shot in there for my guy, Michael Shannon and Bug. In some way or another, I've said everything. Is that you signing off for podcasts from good for good? Or like, are you done? <laughs> no, You're just about the movies from this year. <laughs> okay. Uh, this is a very interesting balance of movies. I always feel like we're pretty evenly matched, but we'll let the voters decide. Oh, I have one. Yeah. Away from her. Oh, is this 07? I think so. Have you been just rewatching Away From Her on oh, you know, it's, the last It's one years? of those, it was 06, but it was at 07 when people finally saw it. My bad. You know, it, I don't know what year it was released in the States. It premiered in Toronto in 06, but I think it might have been released in, the, in theaters in 07. I, I think it, it was part of like Wikipedia's theatrical release list for 07, but it's great. Yeah, movie. but that's that counts for 07 then. We do theatrical release and Correct. not May 25th, release. 2007, USA premiere. So there so you go, counts. Christopher. Speak on it, man. You want to talk about the great I, Julie I, Christie? Yeah, I just think Sarah Polly is an incredible filmmaker. I think we should talk about her more, and I think I can't wait to see other movies that she makes. It's really, it's been a minute since I've seen this. It's always not like real um, uplifting material, but it's definitely like she's she's a really powerful, powerful storyteller. Okay, this has been an amazing movie year. Has it been an amazing draft? I say yes. I think it's been a good draft. I don't. Do you guys want to keep doing Oscar winners as a category? I, I mean, this year. I know it's sort of complicated things, but it did also. I think it was good complication because there's there are enough Oscar winners. The problem with 1975, in addition to me not being able to count, was just like that there were three. And so if you ran out or you misplayed your hand, then you couldn't fill anything else out. You continue to disrespect Darisu Uzala. I don't know what to say about this. (laughs) But I kind of like it for this because it forced us to get a little bit more interesting with drama in a year when there were other interesting like drama picks to be had and things to discuss. I think like if it's a bad year, then it probably boxes us out pretty quickly, which might be funny in other ways, but I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I seriously considered assuming you guys weren't going to take Ratatouille putting Ratatouille in my Oscar winner as my Oscar winner pick. And then, of mm-hmm. course, Amanda mm-hmm. lied to her faithful fans about her relationship to animation and selected the film. I but, like food and I like France. Yeah. Um, this has been a good one. Thank you, guys. Thank us, thanks, of course, to our producer, Bobby Wagner, for his work on this episode. Next week, stay tuned to the Big Picture feed for episode six of Gene and Roger. <laughs>